Thanks for downloading this episode of the Nerdball Podcast. Um, please rate, review, subscribe wherever you're listening to this. That helps the podcast out. Um, I uh, man, it's so much fun doing this. Uh, at some point, it's going to be better because I can be in person. It's even more fun in person. But this is a lot of fun. Uh, and this, you know, this guest was no different. It, it was somebody I, I just met over the summer. He's a, a new football coach, and I got to learn all about. Uh, about where he started to now where he is and he was he was perfect he was so chronological and i didn't even have to ask, ask any questions about what happened now or, or what happened then after that it was perfect we, we talked a lot about his family in the beginning and then we talked all about football so it was a great podcast so um again if you know anyone that wants to come on the podcast reach out the nerdball podcast at gmail.com uh, reach out on all the social medias just search nerdball podcast twitter's the nerdball pod facebook page nerdball podcast instagram same thing uh, having a lot of fun doing this so please uh, please keep reaching out don't don't forget about the youtube page subscribe to that if you haven't yet uh it's a it's another way to actually see us talk as opposed to just listen to us so if you like that kind of stuff but uh um that's all i got to say about this it was another great episode so i appreciate my guests for coming on uh and i appreciate you all for listening this is mark gibson and this is the nerdball podcast is the Nerdball Podcast with Lorenzo Melcher. All right, Mark, thanks for uh, coming on my podcast today. How you doing? I am excellent, Lorenzo. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, yeah. Um, we we met this year because you're new to uh, our Parisburg football staff. Um, it is uh, not really like strange to me, but I know it was a funny thing when you first joined because you've been a mommy football coach for a long time. So right. maybe it isn't as big a deal because they're not in our league anymore. So you don't have to deal with that. But uh, I don't know. Would that have would that have changed anything? I don't think it would have, but it maybe would have given a little bit of attention in the classroom because mm. over the last four years I've coached middle school football at Maumee. And so I even though I coached eighth graders last year, yeah. uh, the eighth graders this year were obviously seventh grade football players last year. And I, I coached them in the group setting when we started the season. So I didn't coach them directly, but I think a lot of them were anticipating that I was coming back to uh, coach. Them. And, and obviously I'll have some of those kids in my classroom this year. So I, I think that would have been a little odd yeah. uh, to say that down the road, uh, I might be facing them as a coach and a, and a player. But the fact that uh, the leagues are changing and most likely Maumee and Perrysburg will never play in football again, mm-hmm. that's something I won't have to concern myself with. Well, good. Uh, give me one sec. I got, I forgot to grab my, my computer charger, so forgive me. Sure, sure. <laughs> All right. I promise I'm more professional than that. <laughs> You're good. I had to make sure that I had full battery on here before I started as well. <laughs> Um, yeah, cause I had, I had another podcast this morning and then I saw the battery. I'm like, all right, I'll go upstairs, grab my charger. And then I walk into my daughter doing my wife's hair and it's everywhere. And there's all these clips and stuff going on. And I forgot what I was doing. Um, so yeah. So, um, the first thing I always ask people is what is something you nerd out about something you're super into a hobby, something you've either been doing your whole life or something that's newer, something that gets you away from the, like your job. Yeah, great question, because I think everyone needs that. They need that yeah. getaway. 
mine has been for many, many, many years is uh, just general physical fitness and working out. Uh, it is an escape. It is a way for, as some people say, that uh, it can clear their mind. Mm -hmm. It's a way that if you're frustrated or tensed, you can go into a gym and uh, work out some of that frustration or that tension. Uh, maybe it's just an alone period of time where as you're working out, you're you're in thought and you're not distracted. Uh, I don't like listening to music when I work out. I listen to podcasts. Okay. Uh, I, I, I am a history guy as well because I teach American history. So sometimes I'll I'll listen to uh, a faith-based podcast or I might listen to uh, uh, an obscure history podcast and, and just get some information while I'm going through the workout. The reason I've done that is because as I went from high school athlete to college athlete, and then right after that, I went right into coaching and I was put in charge of uh, the strength conditioning program at the high school that I was coaching at 21, 22 years old. So uh, and from there, I worked in a gym and the transition while I was in college. Um, and then when you're in charge of a football program, that led to me also being put in place for the wrestlers, the basketball, track, oh. volleyball. So some of the coaches in the school asked me to take over that position. And again, when you're doing with football, you're pretty much all year round. Mm -hmm. And in the weight room, I'm there. So might as well work out. So I was <laughs> one of those guys that just stood out and, and allowed them to finish. And I, I waited an hour and a half, two hours and didn't do anything. So what I've done in kind of pre-COVID is I made, uh, and I have a pretty extensive gym in my basement right now. Okay. And actually, I just redid some things over the last few weeks. Uh, and if I do say so myself, it's pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, and, and, but it's a little sanctuary place. Yeah. I get up very early in the morning. I go down there and I work out. I start my day cause I'd much rather get it done because you never know how you're going to feel by the end of the day mm -hmm. you have energy. And obviously, as you know, with coaching and we're not getting out till six 37 o'clock in the evening. Now, um, uh, I'm, I'm not coming home and, and feeling like I'm going to work out. So I, I, I get up early. I do it. I've been doing it for a long period of time. And uh, actually, I had a, a little bit of a, um, as I got athletically uh, certified to be a trainer, I did that for a little while as well. So I've trained clients and it's just something that I enjoy and I enjoy giving that to other people as well when they're looking at certain goals that they want to set for themselves when it comes to that. So that would be in a long roundabout answer from just just working out. And, and you know, the one thing that I did the other day um you know, you have these kids and I'm new to the kids. So what do you mm -hmm. do you have to develop a relationship with these, yeah. these players at Perrysburg? So they get in the weight room and, and I'm trying to, Hey, here's the old guy. You know, I'm, I'm 52 and, and I can, I know what I'm capable of doing. So I got to let these kids know, you know, so that way we can have a little bit of a, a relationship developed from that. And so I got on the dip bar and, and trying to challenge some of the kids and, and then whatever the the kid did, uh, and one of our players got to thirty, and uh, I said, "Okay, that's that's good." And then I got sixty, so I doubled, <laughs> I doubled what he did. And obviously, there's respect there. Yeah, but I'm not doing that to brag. I'm doing that so we have a little bit that they know that I'm going to push them. They know mm -hmm. that if I'm going to push myself, and I'm I'm concerned about it, then the information that I'm giving them is is going to be helpful to them down the road whether it's in the weight room or on the football field or whatever it might be so i got a few questions so you you mentioned um 
I think it was it was important for you to say pre-COVID when you got all that stuff because I know during COVID that's what people wanted to do and you like couldn't find anything anywhere that you wanted. Right. Everything got bought. And then obviously not only was it not there in the stores, but the prices for things yeah. were outrageous. Yeah. yeah. Uh so so that it's cool that you have that that little gym. I remember my dad, um, my dad has always been into fitness um at some sort of level. And there mm -hmm. was a time there where he bought a um a total gym from Chuck Norris, yeah. like the one Chuck oh, Norris yeah. did, but he used it a lot. Like he really liked it and he used it quite a bit. And for him, it was, it was really good. And, and, and it worked out well, but I remember like seeing those and like, dad, you, you bought this off the TV. What is this? What's funny about that is that all of those gadgets that you see and those infomercials, like the Chuck Norris and all that, like, if the people get them and use them, it's about being consistent. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you get it like a treadmill and you use it for a few weeks and then it becomes a clothes hanger in your bedroom mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it collects dust, it's not going to help you. But if yeah. you buy those things and are consistent and that's the thing, just making it part of your day, part of a routine where it becomes a habit. Mm -hmm. uh, and like I said, that's why I do it in the morning because I know what my routine is. I get up, um, I start the day with my wife, we have a little devotion time, and then we're going to work out because we're going to start our day in that way. And if I don't, I, I can feel it. It's just something oh. for the rest of the day. So mm -hmm. that's just something that's become a habit. And so for a lot of people, um, they just have to realize that when they do it, they have to be consistent and make it something that's they don't dread. Mm -hmm. Because you know, if you, you dread something, obviously, it's not gonna last very long. There was a uh, uh a time like because i i like working out uh but i struggle with like being consistent and like doing it you know uh on yeah. a daily basis or three times a week or whatever it is but there was one thing i really like was kettlebells mm -hmm. i got into kettlebells and i would go on youtube and and uh instagram and find all these exercises and stuff and i was like man there's a lot of stuff you can do with kettlebells and you know yes. it was it was a fun and something i could do at home too without it doesn't take up a lot of space Right. And, and I know that you have some of your podcasts from the uh, a kettlebell place in Perrysburg. Is that correct? Oh, or, a CrossFit place. CrossFit. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but my, my wife uh, started in kettlebells a few years ago and, and she loves it because, yeah. and, and some of the things that she does with the core work and, and that's, mm -hmm. I'm strong for my age and I'm fit, but there's some things that she does that I, I know I can't do with that. So that, that's a whole different thing in itself. Uh, with that, balance and coordination yeah yeah i thought a hard a hard workout i remember i was doing yoga one time in my house i was like man it it's hard <laughs> to do yeah. some of those yoga things like i'm not saying i thought it was going to be super easy but it's it was one of the most difficult things i've done was yoga well it, it's it's a total different from just lifting weights you go yeah. in and lift weights you, you become used to what those things are but with, whether it's crossfit or kettlebell or yeah, it's it's a total it's kind of like football and in, in, in wrestling, right? Mm -hmm. You can be in real good shape for football, but when you go to wrestling, that's a whole different animal yeah. with the type of conditioning that's involved. So it's it's again based on what you do and, and what you're consistent with, and you get good at it, and then you try something else and it's like, oh my gosh, this thing just hit <laughs> <did> my butt. <laughs> yeah, that happens that happens a lot. Um you, you mentioned a few times getting up early. How how early do you get up? Well, for those that don't know, I live in Ann Arbor, Michigan, so I'm coming to you from Ann Arbor right now. Uh, I'm a huge Ohio State Buckeye fan. <laughs> Never in my life thought I would be living in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Uh, and But it's a great town. It really yeah. is. It's a college town. Um, my wife and I don't do a whole lot outside the house, except that we like to go places and, and, and to go out to eat. Mm -hmm. 
And obviously in Ann Arbor, there's a lot of very unique restaurants. Um, we try to pick a new one every week just to go and, and check it out. And, and we're real pleased with, and yeah, it's just a friendly, friendly community. Uh, it's clean. There, um, there, there's so many things to do walking around bike paths and walking paths and trails and all that sort of thing. So my, my, uh, Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. For a oh, go ahead. Uh, my, uh, you brought up the restaurants. My parents were there a few weeks ago. I was just talking to my dad about it yesterday. He goes, it's really cool. He goes, it seems really expensive, though. Like, he goes, other restaurants seem pretty expensive. I go, that seems weird, odd. I mean, I'm sure because it's college town, there is other things. But but he said that he he liked it. He enjoyed it. But it was yeah. it was pricey. And he's But he's retired, so he has a different, okay. <laughs> different budget. Well, <laughs> it's a very diverse uh, community. And mm-hmm. so Ann Arbor tries to fit in with that diversity by catering with a lot of different style of restaurants from mm-hmm. all around the world, right? To, to cater to the people that, that live here. Um, what's funny about that, my, and the reason I live here, so we'll, we'll jump to that real quickly. So mm-hmm. I got married a year ago and my wife is a principal at, uh, in Jackson, Michigan, at a school in Jackson, Michigan, and I teach in Maumee. So we had to find a halfway point. And Ann Arbor is exactly 50 miles to her work and 50 miles to my work in, in Maumee. So we ended up in Ann Arbor. Um, we found, uh, say, God led us to this place because the way it fell through was unbelievable, just how quick it it happened. Mm-hmm. And the fact that this place was even open when we needed it. Uh, it's a condo. It's a new condo complex. It's about a year and a half old. And... It's expensive, as you said, you know, the restaurants are expensive, <laughs> things are expensive. The housing is unbelievable. My, the first time my brother came up here and he, or I opened the door and he walks in, he goes, well, you guys are trying to be bougie on me, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, we're the poorest bougie people around here. <laughs> I've got, I got neighbors who are, uh, you know, doctors and engineers and they yeah. work uh, with IT and, and all these computer things and you know, to for them, it's it's no big deal, apparently. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, <laughs> so getting back to your question, uh, my wife was in the Air Force years ago, and she got into a routine where she would go to the kettlebell classes in the morning before she worked out. So she just has like four o'clock in the morning, she wakes up. It's just part of her routine. She wakes up and and she loves coffee, absolutely loves coffee. So when she wakes up, hey, it's time to go get coffee. She's out of bed. Um, and the fact that I have to get up as well, because what we do is, uh, and again, we have about that 45 minute commute in the morning and we work out in the morning for about an hour, 45 yeah. hour each. And we like to do a little devotional time and have some coffee and just have some time to, to wake up and be with each other. And so, um, about four to four fifteen in the morning, we wake up. Oh, Mark, you froze her. Or gym and, and I'll go in the basement and we work till about uh six thirty and we get ready and seven o'clock I'm out the door and she has a little extra time because she doesn't have to be there until nine. Mm. But I have to be there by eight o'clock. So uh it makes for a long day. <laughs> Obviously with football right now and we're all practices until about six thirty or so and I'll get home by seven thirty. It'll be uh it'll be a long day, but I love it. Uh, yeah. I would have done it and without her blessing because I was a coach for so long, but we just got married a year and a half ago. So she ne- was never part of that lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I talked about it. I've got a lot of memorabilia. I've got a lot of stories, but she was never a part of that. And I told her I would, you know, coaching middle school, there's not the big commitment. Mm-hmm. But I told her at this level, there, there's it's a six a day a week, if not a seven day a week. There's film study, there's practice, there's 
there's so many things that go on and it's a long season. And I told her I would not do anything that would interfere with, with our time together. So as I looked at it and explained it to her, um, she knew how important this was to me. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we worked it through to where th- this is going to, this is going to benefit. She was at the game, our scrimmage this past week. She plans on being at all the home games. Uh, and a few of the way games are, are close enough as well. So she wants to be involved. And she knows the reason I do this. And, and this may be one of the questions you were going to ask later, but she, the reason I do this and I have done this for over 30 years of my life now uh, is, is the relationship that I can build with young men and help them out. You know, the football part of it is great. It's the competitive nature that all of us as coaches have. We were former athletes ourselves. Friday night is unbelievable. Just the competition, um, the game planning, the strategy, I, that's all cool. Uh, I really like the off season and trying to get kids ready and better, but it's the relationships that you build with these young men and, and what you can give them and what they can take away as they become fathers and, and so forth on their own someday. And I I've had numerous, numerous, uh, former players who are now over 40 years old on their own. <laughs> or not their own. Yeah. Um, they come back and they tell me directly. Uh, coach, I owe you so much uh, because things that I do or I say, or maybe they got into coaching and they're saying I coach because the way you coached and I, I try to coach that way and I learned from you. So uh, coaching is about serving and giving back. And, and and as Woody Hayes said, it's about paying it forward. Mm-hmm. If you can give some wisdom and insight and doing it the right way, uh, these kids who take it to heart will go out and pay it forward to to their children as they go and maybe coach little league someday and, and do all those things. And so that's, that's the gratifying part about it. That's, that's what keeps me involved. Yeah. And that's, you know, to, to speak about your wife for a minute, like I, I always talk cause, cause it is a, a, it's not just me or you coaching, like, because it's, they also, they're involved to some degree. Now, is it them having to go, maybe they don't go to the games, but because you're not there late nights, maybe, Maybe the coach is cooked and now now the wife is cooking, you know, or, or their yes. partner's cooking. So there's other responsibilities. For me, I have two younger kids. So my wife's always running the kids around to do what they gotta do. And and mm-hmm. so it's it's a lot of stuff on her too. So I always it's kind of like a one year contract every year where I tell my wife, like, all right, you know, here's here's the deal. We're doing this again. And it's almost unspoken, um, uh, because she, she's never gonna tell me no um because because like you said they understand like why we do it and and we love it so much and it's it's a lot of fun and and especially now because my kids are getting involved like you know mateo is the the ball boy and lillian Mm -hmm. happened to be a water girl for the first i don't know if she's gonna do it all season uh but she did it for the first couple games and air scrimmages so it it is a lot uh and i think other people who aren't in coaching don't understand like how much it affects everybody you know it's a commitment it, it really is a commitment. And there's, there's an old joke. Um, and you can say it's a joke, but it's somewhat true. As you mentioned, is about the uh, football widows mm-hmm. from, from August until November. Uh, we're not home as often as we normally are. And if you have young children and if you have other uh, responsibilities at home, it, it often falls back to the wife uh, mm-hmm. or the father, obviously. And, and so they have to be involved in it as well. It's a commitment on their part. Uh, if you don't have someone at home that is willing to pick up all of that extra that is left behind, it, yeah. it makes for a pretty difficult situation. 
So one, you have to have that continuity of as a coach, then you have to make sure that when you are home, uh, and and I say as a coach, as a, as a husband or a father, when you are home, you have to take responsibility and make sure that you do what you need to do yeah, uh, and make sure that they are still involved. And like your son, uh, my sons both were water boys. My youngest daughter was, uh, you know, they dressed her up in their cheerleading outfit. And so they were all part of it. They enjoyed mm-hmm. the Friday nights. They enjoyed being around uh, the, the kids. And as a matter of fact, a funny story, my my youngest daughter, uh, my youngest uh, child, who's who's 19 now and a freshman at University of Cincinnati, um, when I was the head coach at Clyde, my players over the summer really, really, I don't want to use the word hate, but they really, really did not like to see my daughter at that time, who was five, six years old, seven years old, come with me to practice or in conditioning days because she wanted to be in charge of conditioning. <laughs> And she would just make them do the most horrific and wouldn't give them time in between. Yeah. I would have to slow it down. You know, they get done with the sprint and she would go, go. And I said, hey, Ava, 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 you know, that's a little time. <laughs> and she would want them to do up downs and grass drills. And she just thought that was great. And these kids are like, well, that's coach's daughter. I, you know, we can't say no, Yeah, <laughs> but they did not like that. So <laughs> my children were involved uh, as much as they could be with that. And then of course they got involved in the sports later on, that sort of thing. And which is also weird because when they're involved in sports and if it's not football directly uh, and it's in the fall, you have to try and make time to mm-hmm. get out of practice early enough to get to their games, to be able to, uh, I, I did that a lot because my, my youngest was also involved in volleyball and that's in the fall. Yep. So as soon as practice was over, or sometimes I might leave just a little early if it was in a way, and and bust out of there to go see uh, as much as I could of her games. And so again, it's just a commitment that the family has to be involved in. It's not just about the coach. Yeah. I I'm, uh, I'm coaching my, my daughter's softball team and they do fall ball. So that's another thing mm-hmm. like, all right, where, where can I skate out a little early or can I, you know, how do I schedule practices? And l- lucky for me, I have four other coaches. So if I can't be there, or I'm late or whatever, right. we'll be fine. But I, you know, I want to be all that. I know that stuff I can. Also, I'm thinking way ahead because she twirls baton and she's been twirling. She's she'll be nine in October. She's been twirling baton since she was like three and a half. And mm-hmm. she's going to be a Perrysburg majorette at some point. I was like, all right, so how am I going to navigate our halftime adjustments and also trying to see if I can watch her <laughs> be in, participate every once in a while? <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, fortunately, with um, with technology, you have FaceTimes, you you have videos, right? Yeah. So if you miss something you can at least see the video. You can do those type of things. Um, maybe, maybe I'll base it. I'll base it on the score. Yeah. <laughs> if exactly. we're up a lot, then I'll see, exactly. if, I'll see if I can get out there. That's right. That's exactly right. So, and, and, but you have to do those things because those are memories and, yeah. and they, they're aware whether or not you're there, mm-hmm. they, they want you and they're your biggest fan when they're younger. And when they get older, course it, it might change a little bit but <laughs> when, when you're younger you're the hero you're the biggest they're the biggest fan that um that could be and mm-hmm. they want to go out there and, and participate and accepting and acknowledging and, and being a part of that so yeah that's that's my advice too for uh, anyone else who's listening is as you get older you realize everything that um it, especially for me and and i think it is for coaches we were just talking about this the other day in the coach's office you remember the losses, especially the close losses, a lot more than you do the wins because it's always one play away or you yeah. were one play, one win away from this special season or or whatever it was. And, and those things stick out. And as a parent, 
those losses, those uh, little regrets are come into your mind because mm-hmm. you can't go back in time. You can't change those things. And so my my wisdom now that I'm older, that I speak down to younger people, especially those that have young children are just make sure you give the time and effort to uh, make sure that that is a priority because not only will it be a memory for you, but they're going to eat that up and they're going to enjoy that and making sure that uh, that's my dad and he's important because I know he's doing his thing, but he he makes me the priority that I need to be. Mm-hmm. There, there was this, I always see it every once in a while on TikTok or Twitter, um, Modern Family. Uh, have you ever watched Modern Family? Yes. Um, so Ed O'Neill's character, the, the dad, the grandpa, he's, right. he's talking about, um, he's given, he's, he's given a speech for something in front of the rest of the family. He's, he's talking about when he goes, when you first have a baby, it's great. There's this baby and he's there. And just when you're starting to get to know the baby, the baby is gone, but it's okay because in the, in, in that spot now there's this two-year-old and now you're learning all this new stuff about a two-year-old. And then one day you wake up and that two-year-old's gone. And now there's this older toddler and he goes, it goes on and on and on, but it's okay because they're always getting replaced by something else. And you're learning and doing all these new things. He goes, and then one day you wake up and they all leave at the same time. And, and there's nothing to replace it anymore. And I think about that and I see it a lot. And I always watch it every time I see it because, because it's, 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 True. Everything is, every step is so new and so new and and you're excited, even though this other step is gone, there's this other step here to replace it. And then eventually, like you said, they're all gone. And now you're like, all right, well, and then I think that's when those that you're talking about, those regrets and all that stuff comes into play and all Mm -hmm. those little, little losses or little things that you're like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have said this or should, should have said that it it comes in because now there isn't that other thing to to replace it. That's a, a good bit of writing because someone went into thinking that and maybe that was from their own their own life and and they said i'm gonna uh, put my life story into that little bit of that show and that here here's some advice that i can give and let's make sure that this character who's looked upon as the patriarch of the Mm -hmm. family give this advice and maybe some people uh, take like you said they they take that seriously in their own lives um i have four grandchildren right now and so part of what I get to experience is, is, is like season two, right? Yeah. I, I have four children of my own, uh, being a part of their lives growing up. And now they're, they're all adult age. Oldest is 30 and 27, 20, almost 26 and 19. And you go through all of the experiences. And what's funny, and, and most parents will probably say the same thing. Even if you only have two, you might experience this. They're all from the same household. Mm-hmm. They've all been raised pretty much the same way, same expectations, but they're all different. Yeah, They have their own personalities, their own likes and dislikes. And and sometimes it's just hard to put a finger on where did this person come from? Yeah. Why are they like, you know, <laughs> and, and so that is a new experience trying to get are not because they're not the same. Mm-hmm. You have to adapt as a parent to every child individually. And now I get to start doing that over again. I get to see that through my my grandchildren. And that is so exciting because, um, again, it's like God has given you a, a second round to go through that all over again. So you can't go back in time. You, you can't add more time to what has already been passed. But you can do it over again. Mm-hmm. 
And and at this time in your second level or your second phase is really take the time to truly admire those moments, appreciate those moments, be careful about everything you say and do and 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 so forth to give them that insight. Uh, and like I said before, eventually some of that wisdom when they start to understand things a little more. Uh, so I'm, I'm really excited. I know my wife is as well about uh, just being able to be a part of their lives and as much as we can. Maybe that's why grandparents uh, give kid, gra- their grandchildren whatever the hell they want ever. So <laughs> it's, it's, you know, there's that fine line of spoiling and all that sort of thing. But my, my youngest grandson, uh, is is just over five months old now he can't understand the words that i'm saying but yeah he, he knows that i'm talking to him because there's eye contact and if i talk in a certain voice level he, he's he's paying attention at least mm-hmm. and what was so funny is the last time i just saw him this past week i said uh hey buddy he said you're gonna know me as you know we're gonna have this relationship i'm gonna give you pretty much whatever you want <laughs> And I pointed to his dad and I said, now he's the one that has to do the discipline yep. and he's the one that's going to do all that stuff that I used to have to do. But now I'm, I'm going to be the good guy coming in, you know? So <laughs> that's, that's what I look forward to. That, that was, that was a struggle for me at the beginning with my parents, because like with new parents, you're like, all right, everything is to the minute. We do this, we do this, you feed them this, don't feed them this, all this stuff. Right. Uh, now some of that is for health reasons. Sure. Uh, and some of it is just because we want our children to do certain things. And then my parents had to sit, sit with me and be like, okay, un- uh, we'll do what you want us to do. Understand though, we're still going to do the things that we want to do. And we're never going to put your kid in danger. We're never going right. to do something terrible. Like we're, it's always going to be good. So it was hard for me to understand. And, uh, and then after a while, after they k- talked to me and sat me down, I was like, all right, all right. You know, I just, I don't ask questions anymore is really what it is. Like uh, I'll talk to <laughs> I'll talk to yeah. my son when they come back, like, all right, what'd you guys do? Uh, and then I say, what'd you guys do? And then he'll tell me and I'm like, all right. And I just, I try not to get into specifics. So, yeah, well, maybe you've seen this. I, I'm I'm seeing it from the parent or the grandparent now. And you're seeing this perhaps from the parent standpoint is uh, it, was, it was really odd. So my oldest, who's 30, my oldest daughter, uh, they would, or she would drop off she and her husband would drop off their child, their first child. This is, oh my gosh, you know, every little thing is too precise and this yeah. way. Want. And they're telling us who raised them how to handle their child. Yep. Yep. You know, don't do this, do this, do this. Be careful about this. And like, and like you said, if there is a need specifically health wise, health rate, yeah, I get it. And the medicine, maybe they're taking yeah. some medicine, whatever dosage. I, I get that, but I, I, I raised you. Okay. <laughs> I know how to do this. I've been through this four times. Yeah, yeah. It's so funny because when they're the parent, they're like, hey, hey, are you sure about that? Don't do not do that. Don't do that. I'm like, okay, you're right. Yeah. And then when they leave, they're just like, okay. <laughs> do what and, I want. And, and that's what it was. That's what it was at the beginning. But then I think for my parents, it got too much where I was too much on them. And, and that, you know, that was, they're they probably right. Like, but they did tell like, hey, I understand we did the same stuff too. We get it. But just here's, and then it was like, you remember when your grandma took you and they, she would just, give you $5 bill at the $5 bill at red at the red Baron. So you can play video games all day. Like yeah. that's the kind of stuff. And they just let you eat whatever they want. We're going right. to do that too. I was like, all right, yeah. we're just, you know, realize there is consequences that for whatever reason, 
my son has puked three times by staying the night over there. So I, he, he doesn't quite understand when yeah. to like stop. So well, my my wife said this: our house is never going to be a place that our grandchildren don't want to come to. Mm-hmm. They they're going to want to come here. They're going to want to. They're going to ask their parents. Let's go to grandma and grandpa's. Yeah, I, we want to go because when they're here, we're going to make it. It's going to be fun. It's interesting. We're going to have a good time. Um, they're developing and their little minds who we are, who they don't get to see every day. Mm-hmm. And so we want it to be something that they look forward to. And obviously there's parameters around it. Obviously, as you said, we're going to keep them safe. We're going to, what, what my children may not realize is that for as much as they love their children now, when, when they're in my care, I, I would die for any one of mm-hmm. them without thinking about it without thinking about it so uh we're going to keep them as absolutely safe as possible but we're going to have a whole lot of fun (laughs) when they're here i I know right now my parents in their living room they have like a five foot uh dollhouse that's in their living room because that's that's what's needed and my mom uh asked like does she does she like still does lillian still want this here and need this here i go I probably so uh, my mom makes a point like when when they come over she buys like little new little things and my daughter immediately goes to the dollhouse and see what's new there that she mm-hmm. can play with but she plays with yeah. it every time she goes over there it's just in her living room <laughs> just, that's, you know <laughs> that's and then and, that funny that maybe when you were the parent you wanted the house to look a certain way yeah you know maybe you had your toy room or whatever it was but now it's just like yeah, just come over and have fun and yep, yep. we'll have a dollhouse and or a jump house you know we'll have a <laughs> jump house in the basement whatever yep. you know we're gonna do it because that's gonna be the place that they want to come and hang out and think yeah. grandma and grandpa are pretty cool oh yeah oh yeah um i i uh i don't know a lot about your coaching history uh mm-hmm. and i kind of kind of want to go back a little bit yeah. Uh, you said you've been coaching for what oh, you said over 30 years. This is uh, my 32nd year in a row. Okay. So yeah, yeah. I, I asked coach Sims out on the first day of two days. I go, how many, what season is this in two days? He said 35. I go, Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm only 38. So yeah. You think about something that you've done. You hear these people online or on TV and they're experts. You know, I've been doing this for 20 years. I've been doing this for 30 years and I know I, I, I'm in that situation now. Mm-hmm. I'm not an expert. Uh, there, there's so much to learn about this game and the game is evolving. I'm getting so much from coach Ward, who's coached at division one level. And, and I've always been more on the offensive side of the ball anyway. So I'm, I'm learning a lot from him and how he is, um, from again, that division one level, what those coaches are evolving into and how defenses change up Mm -hmm. because, uh, and, and as you mentioned, uh, coach Sims, we've been around it for over 30 years. We, we can share a lot of the same experiences. So when we played and started coaching, everyone was in the I formation or mm-hmm. wing. Everybody was running basic things and you ran one of two defenses and that was to stop the run. And everyone was basic. The only game plan you did was who's their best player because yeah. you're all going to run the same plays. And now uh, you don't know what you're going to get from week to week. You know, the offenses have changed. They spread out. They give you different formations. We are a multi-formation team, as you know, yep. double tights, one tight, no tight, empty, spread. I mean, you have to, as a defensive guy, be ready for anything. And so you have to have multiple defenses. And how do you prepare? How do you blitz? How do you scheme? How do you do coverages and disguise coverages? And there's so many things that go involved in this. And then you have to be a coach to be able not only to understand it yourself, but to explain it to a 16, 17-year-old kid. <laughs> And and that's the challenge in itself. 
So um, we talk about how things have evolved over those last 30 years. And uh, so again, I'm, I'm constantly learning. I'm constantly involved in whatever it is I can pick up. And, but there's also the saying that I've used before with, um, <laughs> with, with others is that I've forgotten more football than, you know, mm-hmm. uh, be, and that's just because uh, as a student of the game, going to coaches clinics, uh, the DVD watching, uh, one-on-ones with coaches, just learning over time period. There's there's things that I know about football that I really have forgotten about because they're kind of archaic. Yes, yeah. We don't see them anymore, right? And so just coming into this aspect, even though I've coached middle school for the last four years, um, now coming into a Division One school, coached by a former Division One un- university, Division One coach, bringing in these new concepts, I I'm learning. So mm-hmm. as anybody tells you they're an expert at something, you might know a lot about it, but if something's always evolving, uh, there's always something to learn. And I don't know if we can be classified as experts on anything, but real quickly. So I played a little bit of college football down at Mount St. Joseph in Cincinnati, which is now a division three at that time. It was NAIA, mm-hmm. uh, but they've moved over to NCAA division three. now. Did you go to did you go to high school down there too? Is that where you're from? No, I went to high school. I was born and raised in Sydney, Ohio, which is okay. on I-75. It's about an hour and a half south of Perrysburg, right on okay. 75. And ironically, we were the Yellow Jackets. So oh, really? I'm full circle and I'm now back with the Yellow Jackets. <laughs> yeah. Uh so I played there and then went to school down in Cincinnati. And and my college coach, some of some of the listeners uh might know if they're old school football. My college coach was John Pont. Now, John Pont went to the uh, University of Miami uh, way back in the in the 40s, and he is one of only two players that has his number retired at the university. And then later on, he became a coach at Miami. I was a head coach at Yale and uh, Indiana. As a matter of fact, I think it was 68 or 69, Indiana won the Big Ten and went out to the Rose Bowl and lost to O.J. Simpson's USC team. Mm. So John Pont is a legend in college coaching. He's part of what's called the cradle of coaches at the University of Miami, where they've had lots and lots of successful college coaches and guys that went on to the NFL as well. Uh, Woody Hayes, Bo Schembechler, Weeb Bank, and just a bunch of coaches that were started uh, in or around uh, Miami and Oxford. So anyway, uh, really got me interested in wanting to coach. And uh, I actually had a, a, an injury for a few weeks. And um, they moved me from safety over to quarterback because I couldn't do a whole lot of running, that sort of thing, but I, I could throw a little bit. So uh, he coached the quarterbacks. And and the more and more I was around him, the more I, I got to talk to him, he got me really, really involved in uh, just a, a, a different aspect of, of football than I ever thought. And it was about the coaching aspect. And so at uh, at about 21 years old, uh, I was still going to college. I transferred to get closer to home because I was going to do my student teaching. I, I realized or thought I was going to be wanting to get back into Sydney, which is where I graduated from. And so from Cincinnati, I transferred up to Wright State University, which is in Dayton. And they have a, a lake, a community college or not community college, but a lake uh, around uh, St. Mary's. So it's a it's an offshoot of that. Anyway, I wanted to get closer to Sydney so I could do my student teaching there and doing that to get involved in the coaching. So yeah. I'm 21 years old. I, I transfer, I do my student teaching and at 21, I'm helping coach varsity football and I'm scouting and I'm going to the games and I'm, I'm, I'm breaking down film and I'm doing all those things. And the following year, uh, at 22, now we change head coaches 
uh, I did well enough, impressed people enough with my work ethic and so forth that uh, he hired me on staff. So here I am coaching kids who are 17, 18 years old and, and, and I'm still going to college. I'm still taking college classes and, and coaching varsity football. And, and they put me in charge of the JV. So I'm coaching two varsity positions and I'm the special teams coordinator and I'm the JV head coach. Hey, would so, you have like four coaches there? What? <laughs> uh, no, they just dunked me into everything. They, they said, okay, sink or swim. Here's what you're going to do. Because we didn't do two platoon. Everybody coached two yeah. offense, defense, right? <laughs> and um, so, and, and then I got a taste of victory. We had some good kids. We won some games. I thought this is something I want to do for a long period of time. And so I was an assistant for five years. And then at 26 years old, I got an, uh, an opportunity to go to Brookville High School, which is not too far from Dayton, Ohio. And uh, they had a coaching change very late into the year. Their their coach resigned and took another job, and it was June. So oh, you're wow, going, okay. yeah, you're going into summer conditioning and camps and all that yeah. stuff. So it's a mad scramble. The principal I had at my middle school is from Brookville, went back to take over the principal job at the elementary in Brookville and saw this position open and realized that this might be something I'm interested in. And so I interviewed and within two weeks I had the job at 26. You were a head coach at 26 at years 26 old, six years old. Wow. Yeah. With, with five years of experience coaching and I was never a varsity coordinator. I was a special oh. coordinator. I was a JV head coach, but I was not an offense or defensive coordinator. And I got this job. Can, they, can I tell you, sorry, before you go. Oh, uh, go ahead. So that reminds me. So a few years ago when the Northview job was open, mm-hmm. I apply, I applied for the head coach job at Northview. Okay. And same boat, like I was on a varsity staff for three years. I was a JV head coach. Um, no, 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 not, not an offensive defense coordinator. So I, I got an interview and I was surprised. I'm like, all right. So I go through the interview process. Uh, and then at the end, they're like, do you have any questions for us? And my, my, I only had one besides like regular other questions, but the, the right. one that I really wanted to ask, I turned to the athletic director. And I said, why did you interview me? Like there's, there's, I, there's a lot of coaches out there, head coach experience. I'm not, I haven't been a coordinator. I'm just curious because I go, trust me, I'm excited. I'm glad you did, but what stood out to you? And they said, well, besides like the people you listed on your resume, like we know a lot of people, so we're going to call people. And they ended up calling, um, Andrea Monheim, who is the, now the athletic director at Perrysburg junior high, but she was a track coach and I had coached with her, um, previously uh as a, i was a, a, a i helped the high school one time and then uh, i was a track coach for a long time and she knew me for a while so they talked to her she's like basically we called around and found and wanted to look more into you and mm-hmm. and you know we like how you treated the athletes and the stuff you did for your community and all this stuff and you know it it, it made me feel like hey i felt good that i got an interview chance to interview that I met mm-hmm. but hearing all that other stuff is like, all right, all this other stuff I'm doing besides the actual coaching part is important too. And they, Absolutely. other people see it. And that's that I felt good about that. Like doing, doing all that other stuff that I was like, all right, this is what, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And, and it's working yep. for hundred percent because uh, I, I heard long ago from a coach that you should coach your players as you would want your son to be coached. If you're hard on your son, and you have that relationship with them, then, mm-hmm. then you coach your players like that. But you don't demean and degrade and put down because one, if that is your son, you're going to hear about it from your wife when you get home. So that's not good. Yeah. Yeah. But um, coach with respect, coach with um, 
you're in charge, but make sure that they're going to come away. And, and, the, and another little bit of wisdom that I heard is that how many kids that you coach are actually going to make a living playing football? Mm. Minuscule. Very few. How, yeah. yes. how many kids are going to go to college and have their college paid for because of football? Again, very, very, very small amount of those students. So most of them are going to be there for three or four years at the high school level. And that's mm -hmm. it. What are they going to take away from you? And it's not going to be X's and O's. That's going to be the most important thing in their life. How to block, how to tackle, how to shed a block, whatever. That's fine for when you have them for that particular part of life. But what are they going to take with them afterwards? And, and if you don't do that as a coach, especially as a head coach, where you're setting a culture, where you're uh, getting these parents who talk to their boys, their sons every night, what did you do at practice today? What did the coach say? What did you take away from this? Well, you can better believe that if you give your players uh, the wrong information, go about it the wrong way, those players are going to tell their parents and their parents are going to have some issues and the athletic director and the people in the school are going to know and they're going to say, hey, this guy's not doing it the right way. He's more interested in the wins and losses and, and football and wants to win and everybody wants to be successful but again not many of them are going to go beyond their 18th birthday when they leave you and be able to take with the all the practice drills with them yeah it's yeah. going to set them up for success for the rest <laughs> of life what did you instill in them what are they going to take away from that and that is hugely important especially as a head coach because again you're building that culture but here's what you got to realize uh, and maybe what other people don't realize when, let's say you got 50 people on this football team, you got 50 individuals, you got 50 individuals that are not necessarily friends or have much in common. And it's your job as a head coach to bring all of them together for one common purpose and one common goal. And how are all of us going to get to that goal? And then you have a staff and we have a large staff at Perrysburg. They all have individual ality. You all have personalities. You all have differences of opinions but how are we going to bring all those men together again for one purpose and one goal and to do it the right way and to trust everyone to do it the right way. That's huge. So it's not just about football or your football knowledge. Everybody who's going to apply for a job has football knowledge and has had some success. Otherwise they want to put their name in there because they didn't think they'd have a shot. Yeah. All of the other little things that go in, involved in it. And that's, that's one of the reasons why, uh, you know, coaches get a little bit upset when they have the parents come down on them about this or this or this, because that's just a small, small part of everything yeah. that we do. Um, but to get back to your, so I'm 26. They say, Hey, by the way, uh, we have camp in two weeks and these kids have already paid their money. So we've got camp in two weeks and you have to hire a staff. <laughs> I don't know anybody. I don't know anybody there. It's I'm living in Sydney. It's a 45 minute commute. Kind of like what I'm doing now from Ann Arbor to Perrysburg. Yeah. And um, and and I know that this next couple of weeks and the next several months are just going to be chaotic. And I've got at that time three little ones at home. And uh, wow. So that was a whirlwind. <laughs> um, and, and what I was trying to do real quickly without, you know, boring people that might be listening to this to get in the technical part of it, but having an option to go in and do that. So as an assistant coach, there was a a school, Valley View, Germantown, Ohio, Valley View High School, which is in the Southwest Buckeye League at that time with Brookville. And Valley View won three state championships in the 1990s. 
and Jay Nyswanger, who's in the Athletic Hall of Fame, Football Coaches Athletic Hall of Fame now, uh, was the head coach then. It was kind enough that when I would go to clinics and he was speaking, I would go in the breakout room and, and dissect his brain and I'm writing down his, and it basically is kind of the run and shoot. And I'm saying, and there's some option involved. And I said, yeah, if I become a head coach, this is what I want to do. This is my style of offense. And then I get this job and I'm going to be facing this guy now. I didn't realize that. Well, it also didn't take me long to figure out that I didn't have the athletes that he had. Yeah. So I'm install this offense and we are terrible. I mean, we are just <laughs> awful. And I'm going to tell you a real funny story. So it's my first head coaching job. We're playing cold water and cold water again for a lower division, but they are in and around the state championship game every year in division five, four, five, six, wherever they've fallen over the last several years. And we got a contract with them. This is when they were just starting to get really good. John Reed was a head coach and they were just starting to turn the corner and get good. So it's a home game, uh, Brookville to Coldwater. It's, it's about an hour and a half bus ride. And, um, this is a true story. So <laughs> we're just getting it handed to us. It, and it's, <laughs> I, I've come from a little success, uh, you know, in JV level and we've won. And now all of a sudden you're looking forward to your first head coaching job. And this is your first game. And you go out there, honest to goodness, this is what was happening. So we're getting beat. Um, I, th I think the final score was something like 52 to zero, 56 to zero, whatever it was. Here's the story. I look up at the, I look up at the scoreboard. And I see the clock winding down to zero. And, and I say out loud in the, in the headphones, I say, oh, thank God this is almost over. And I look down and I look back up and it jumps back to 12. That was the end of the third quarter. <laughs> I thought the game was over. Okay. I wanted the game to be over. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, we got 12 more minutes of this. And we gave up two more touchdowns with their JV, you know, so it was like 40 something of the nothing at that point. And we just got it hammered. And now we got an hour and a half bus ride back. And again, I'll give you some wisdom and some insight. So that next day we're breaking down film before the kids come in. And I've got a few young coaches on my staff and they're saying, coach, you're too nice to these guys. You got to get on them. Uh, they're taking advantage. They didn't play hard for you. This was an embarrassment. You've got to change up. And and I said, yeah, you're right. You're right. We can't have this anymore. If I want to be a successful one, we've got to change this up. So when they came in that day and for the next two, three days, I was all over them. I was this, that, everything else, and a totally different personality than what I was before. And about the third or fourth day into it, I said to my staff, I can't do this anymore. I'm I'm acting. I'm playing a part. And this is exhausting. This isn't yeah. who I am. You guys want to do that? That's you. Do that. Okay. Be an assistant. Have some individuality. Go be that player or that coach to that player, whatever. But I can't do that. And so that was a lesson. Whatever you do, you got to be yourself. Mm -hmm. If you're trying to be something else uh, just to appease other people, uh, it's exhausting and it's a lie. And you're not yourself. You're not going to be as good as you can be. Uh, so that's something that I got out of that. So anyway, I think we went two and eight that year. And by my fourth year, and I committed myself, I got up early, I went down there, I opened the weight room before school at six o'clock in the morning, 45 minute drive every morning over the winter. And, and just what we did, the culture changing it up, weight room, making sure that we were strength conditioning was, was as well as it could be at that time. Uh, by my fourth year, we were nine and one. We beat Valley View at their place. Oh. So that was the that was the team, right? So matter of fact, Brookville had not beaten Valley View 
in 10 years at that point, and wow. they had lost a home game in nine years. That's how <laughs> they were. And we beat them in the last seconds to win the league, to go nine and one. And then the next week we hosted the school's first ever home playoff game. That's great. Yeah. So in four years, all that work, all that being away from home, all that sacrifice, everything else worked. Mm-hmm. And we went all the way to the regional championship and we lost in the last minute 14 on a hook and lateral. Uh, um, otherwise, we're in the state semifinals and yeah. we had a team to do it. I really believed it. We we had a very good team. So the next year and that actually that offseason, uh, the Sydney job opens up and I had the AD and the head of the boosters call me and said, would I be interested in coming back home, being the head coach? And I told both of them re- with respect, no, I've got a really good team here and, and we've got a lot of kids coming back. Um I'm good where I'm at. Yeah. But, but how hard how hard was that decision? Because that's I mean, that's your home. Yeah. Hometown. Well, I waited. I and Sydney had struggled. They were one and nine. This, this coach was leaving and they were one and nine. Yeah. And I'm going one. Why do why do I want to go and try to rebuild? Um, but the closer we got to the date where they weren't going to take any more candidates, uh, my wife at that time and I decided being able to go back home. It was a it was a jump from division five to division two. The money was a little bit different, but it wasn't significant. But it was just a chance to go back home and have family nearby. And with young children, that was going to be helpful because um, you know, every like you said, it, it's just nicer to have the grandparents close yeah. by. Oh yeah. And so I go back and they were one and nine the year before, and I install the offense. I do all the same thing, and we're five and five. We jump to five and five and we lose one game in overtime to the defending state champions. We lose seven zero. Uh, they were they were ranked number one in the state at that point. We lost in overtime, and there was another one where we lost in the last second field goal as well. So we were really really close to being seven and three. So that big jump. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm there for four years, and and we're we're okay. We're not world beaters, but we're six and four, five and five. We're we're right around that edge. Uh, we beat the rival, we beat Piqua, and, and we do come back and beat them the following year and that sort of thing. And Piqua won the state championship, I think, in, in 05. And and so, um, or excuse me, um, maybe like 03, 04, 05, something like that. Anyway, um, having some success, but Sydney started going through uh, a really bad levy problem. And it got to the point where pay to play per sport was $400 per sport. So it was $1,200 a year if you wanted to play all three sports. They, they eliminated busing. Uh, the athletic department was really going to take a hit. I saw the writing on the wall and I said, I don't want to be a part of this because yeah. I just know where this is going. So I, I put my name out there again and I started searching around. I actually had an interview in um, Champaign, Illinois um, at um, uh, Central High School in Illinois. I went out there. Uh, we looked into uh, Hilton Head a little bit because if we're going to move, let's move. You know, we're going <laughs> to. But um, as it was going on into the winter, uh, Clyde uh, opened up and this literal rural community and never been up there in my life. I heard a little bit about it. They won a state championship in 95, but the, they had been kind of uh, on the downtrend over the last decade. And that position opened up because their head coach, his son uh, was a scholarship player at the university of Cincinnati. And he wanted to have time to be able to go watch his son play. Oh, football. Yeah. So they had an opening and I put my name in there. And after a while, I found out that I was the third choice because again, I'm coming off a, a one and nine season, in Sydney. It was terrible. I mean, we just fell off the face of the earth. And so I interviewed and they liked what I had done in the past at Brookville, for instance, and in the, at the beginnings of Sydney, but 
they had some guys that were maybe a little more successful earlier, right? Than I yeah. was yeah. looking at that time period. And that was around 2005. So I'm the third choice because the other two, um, matter of fact, the guy that was their second choice took my job at Sydney. He's the one that ended up. Oh, really? Sydney. <laughs> he went through those levy years. He was there, I think, three or four years and got out um, uh-huh. didn't have success. Um, but again, they wanted to go there because it was a little bigger city than it was in Clyde. So I'm glad they all turned it down because <laughs> I went from one and nine the year before. And that year, 2005, we went nine and one and went to the state semifinals. And again, we were a play away from going to the state championship. It was that close of a game and there was a turnover early and that was the difference of the ball game. And otherwise we're going to the state championship. So that, that took off. I was there eight years at Clyde as head coach. We won six conference championships. We went to the playoffs five times two regional finals and a state semifinal. And um, I would love to tell you that it was all the head coaches doing, <laughs> uh, but I had a great staff and we just had outstanding football players. Mm-hmm. Uh, my first year, we have the state defensive player of the year. Two years later, we have the state offensive player of the year. Uh, that kid ends up going to and playing for the Green Bay Packers for two years. Wow. The kids that are coming in, I think I had 13 or 14 first team all state players in eight years. Uh, I had five kids go division one and it was just like, we were reloading every year. We, you know, they, you know we're losing this kid. What are we going to do? And we just would reload every year and it, and then it started feeding itself. Mm-hmm. The program was the program and the kids held themselves to a high accountability and in, in the weight room and, and just making sure that we don't want to have a down year and being that it was that senior class who, who led everybody down, you know, so just keeping it where it was going. However, and not to say anything negative about Clyde's great community, great people, but it's one of those things that if you're not from the community, sometimes you don't fit in 100%. And there's people who have been there and will be there for the rest of their lives. Yeah. Wanted to see things go a certain way, wanted things done a certain way. And I just didn't feel that, you know, we were having success. I just didn't feel that I needed personally to change things. Because I had some loyalty to the people I've been with for a long period of time. We, yeah. we had a lot of success. So I said, um, that's fine. I'll 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 look other places and it's it's it, yeah, it's, it's it's crazy to me that uh all the success, all the you know, you're there for eight years, like everything's just going well. And then it is no small communities, it is just like one person or two people, and then it just for whatever reason it just doesn't work out and and then also maybe it's 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 the community too being there for eight years and just not feeling like i'm not uh 100 part of this and i don't think i'll ever will be yeah there, and and again i have really good good things good memories about clyde and, and some friends that i will have the rest of my life mm-hmm. um we just had a memorial service this past summer for the uh guy whose name was mark roche a long time coach and teacher over there and he was the voice of the flyers he did all the football games basketball games he was the announcer and had a relationship with him obviously and he'd passed away from uh, cancer this mm-hmm. past summer and had a memorial service and i got to go back there and see some people i haven't seen in a long time and and i'm welcome back i have good relationships with those people i have nothing bad to say about it but uh perhaps it was just time for me to move on yeah and, yeah and they had success the the machine has kept working Ryan Carter is the head coach. Now they won a state championship a few years ago. Uh, they're in the playoff hunt every year. And and so I'm, I'm thankful that I had that opportunity, but uh, I feel good about what we did to get it started 
and it is it's been a machine uh for the last 20 years yeah and that, that's cool to to say that i helped get it started and go mm-hmm. in that direction is, is an accomplishment um and so i came to mommy and as people in the know know that mommy had some success the coach bowls had yep. in the last you know uh, 90s early 2000s playoffs they were but we don't have those same players and and everybody will tell you that and as Perrysburg and Anthony Wayne were once very small school develop properties and the the population has exploded in both mm-hmm. Anthony Wayne school district Perrysburg school district uh Northview Southview obviously Sylvania Maumee is landlocked right we are landlocked on the Maumee River and the Turnpike and 475 and we're just this little community that used to be uh decent size in the league and now it's one of the smallest schools in the league and there's yeah. not much room for growth. Um, we would have, um, for instance, when I first started coaching seventh grade in 2000, gosh, what was that? 18, 19, something like that. It must've been 19. I think it was a year before COVID. Uh, we had 13 kids come out for football, seventh grade football, for 13 <laughs> kids. We didn't even know if we were going to be able to field a team. Yeah. Uh, and, and maybe we could combine the seventh and eighth grade because we just didn't have the kids. So we've seen less and less come into that program. We've seen some of our top athletes leave for other schools mm-hmm. and, and, on, and the schools that we compete against in the league are getting bigger and, and we're not growing. So um, we had some success. As a matter of fact, I always say not to be bragging, but <laughs> I was the last mommy head coach to beat Perrysburg and, win the <laughs> and that'll never happen again. You're right. Cause mommy and Perrysburg, 99% will never play each other again in football. So yeah. uh, I can say that at least uh, 2017, I was the last one to, to get, uh, to get that bell. Well, so, I, I've been a part of two devastating losses to mommy. It was that one. I was just a, I think at the time I was still a junior high coach or no, I would have been, I would have been a freshman coach by then the fr- head freshman coach. Okay. And um, it was that one, that loss that was uh frustrating in the mud in the rain yep Yep. uh and then when i played i was a junior in 2001 and we were undefeated and mommy had was eight and one going Mm -hmm. into the last game and we lost uh we split the league title uh but that would we our team my junior year would have been the first team to ever play in a playoff game at perrysburg but we we were nine and one and we did not make the playoffs Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Cause at that time they took eight. So we, yeah. uh, we did not make it. And all strength of schedule and computer points. Yeah. And yeah we, we played Clyde that year and Clyde. Um, I think they only won two games. So that was a big downer for us. And there's, I think we played like, we played a city league school that year too. So it just, it didn't work out. And, and, but those, those, like you said, we remember the losses. I remember those. <laughs> Those yeah, dirty. those stick out for some dumb reason. Yeah. Yeah. You can celebrate when championships and have great <laughs> memories with that. And those losses are the ones that come back and kick you in the pants because you realize those losses kept you from having more of those joys and successes and memories. Yeah. That's good. a good point. That's a good point. And yeah. You look back at uh, the near misses and the near uh, what what could have been, right? <laughs> yeah. So well, anyway. well, it, it might have been it might have been a good thing we I remember we were talking about it and we, we still talk about it to this day. We're out of high school 20 years and me and my friends talk about it. If we would have played, if we would have gotten to playoffs as the eight seed, we either would have played. Uh, do you remember Justin Zwick? who's a quarterback ended up going to Ohio State. Ohio State. And then, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we would have either played his team 
or Maurice Claret's team. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one or the other. You're getting the high State guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, how about that? I, yeah. That That's something to look forward to as well because I took um, Brookville to the playoffs. I go to Sydney, and we just missed. We I think we finished nine, and, and they took the top eight, mm-hmm. and we just finished. Uh, and that was a couple of times. One, we were 10, one, we were nine. So we we almost went to the playoffs for two years. And then, of course, at Clyde, we went six years. But when I came to Maumee, my second year here, uh, we finished five and five or something like that. But we just missed the playoffs. And we lost to Springfield in overtime. Had we beat them, we would have been in. We win number eight. Yeah. But by number eight, we would have had to play Central Catholic. Yeah. So you know, it was kind of like, <laughs> that would have been great to get in to say we went in. But yeah. That wouldn't have been fair. <laughs> so it's the woulda, couldas, but maybe yeah. maybe there was a reason we didn't do it. So um, 2017, so, we had success. We we won the ding-dong bell. We had a good senior class. I've, I've got a kid who's still playing at Eastern Michigan uh, from that class. A kid oh, that nice. went to West Point who was a wrestler. And we had uh, another few kids that went on to play collegiate sports, wrestling, or football. So we had good athletes. We, yeah. we, really, we were able to compete and put guys on the field to compete against the teams that we play. Um, and then after that, again, those kids lost, um, meaning that we lost them. I, I'd say they graduated. And my final year, 2018, there's there's five teams in our program, seventh grade, eighth grade, freshman, JV, varsity. In those five teams in 2018, Maumee won a combined five games. Oof. So I saw what was coming up. Again, not to, I'm not bragging. I'm just stating what I know that I've, what I've done in the past at the three previous schools I've been to and Maumee, the time, the commitment, the effort, everything that's put into becoming or at least trying to become successful and be consistent and be successful and having some success. Mm-hmm. I saw that that just wasn't going to happen here. And, and I didn't have the time, the patience, the energy to go through that. And, and to, to see that and being honest with myself, because I thought I would, I would go to, I, I retired from teaching and I'd, I'd be a head coach the rest of my career. I thought this is it. This, I love football. I love the relationships that are built. Uh, I love the opportunity that every fall we get to do this. And for me to, to think that I'm going to step down from something that I've done for at that time, 27 years in a row. Uh, that I'm not going to be able to do that anymore because I didn't know what was on the horizon. I didn't know what yeah. was going to. And and if you step down and you step down after a, a you know one and nine season I've had, and then we go nine and one the year before at a new place, but I'm stepping down again from that one and nine season. And what would the would I would I be in contention for a new coach? Mm-hmm. Uh, would I be able to? Would I even be interested in? So that took a lot. And when I stepped down, um. I had the opportunity to just reevaluate a lot of things. And so uh, I had an AD at the middle school at that time who had coached varsity sports when he was younger and and became a middle school coach. And he said, look, you may not think that you can do this or want to do this, but you're going to have a lot of fun. Trust me, this is going to be a lot of fun. So I ended up doing it and I did it for four years. I coached seventh and eighth grade as as they grew. And then I went back down to seventh and eighth grade and stayed with that team as they became seventh and eighth graders. And uh, over mommy, many people know mommy struggled varsity wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's unfortunate they have the um, they have the longest losing streak in the state of Ohio right now. There's there's not been a whole lot of success. Uh, obviously, going to a new league, they have a chance to be more competitive. Yep. 
coaching staff, new enthusiasm, all that sort of thing going in the right direction. But over those four years coaching middle school football, I had by far the best record of any program in, in mommy football uh, over those four year period. And that was because obviously I have experience. I, I, I know some things that I'm going up against some guys that maybe don't have that experience. And, but it was just that competitive nature again, right? You're still involved. And, and actually I coach wrestling, middle school wrestling. I coach track. I was staying involved because again, it's about what can you do for these kids and making them better. And I was trying to fill that void um, with now 13, 14 year old kids, you know, Mm -hmm. 16, 17, 18 year old kids. Um, But you don't get them as long. You don't, you're not with them quite as long uh, as you are with the varsity sport. So anyway, I'm, I'm coaching track this past spring and uh, my phone goes off and it's Dirk. And he says, uh, he wanted to ask me some questions and he said, Hey, uh, are you ready? Uh, when are you going to be ready to get back into it? And I said, uh, it's got to be the right situation. Um, I, I told him about my situation where I live. I just got mm-hmm. married. It's got to be the right situation. But it was intriguing um, because it's right across the bridge. It would be a, a I'm, I'm here at Maumee anyway. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I could still teach at Maumee and, and still go over there and coach at Perrysburg. So a lot of things kind of fell into place. And uh, I still thank him today for this opportunity to get back involved and not just being involved in Perrysburg football and the success that they've had and division one going up against some of the competition that we're going to see the great athletes that are going to go and and play on TV on days of big time programs. But now you get to compete against those, those players and, and strategize against those coaches, get back into the mix. And Friday night is just, unbelievable uh i've done bcsn work over the last three years i've been uh doing the bcsn game of the week and and following around i've done a lot of perrysburg games over the last three years central catholic and their run to the state championships and and deep in the playoffs the last two years so actually coaching middle school football and watching how other coaches coach from a bird's eye view up in the booth on on friday nights doing bcsn i become a better coach I know because I've been able to see it from a different perspective where I don't have a dog in the fight on Friday night, but I've been able to see how would I attack this situation? What Mm -hmm. advice? Hey, coach, I would, I would take a timeout. I would do this. I would do that and see if uh, those things would transpire and coaching middle school. There's patience, Mm, so Mm -hmm. much patience involved. (laughs) And, and, and knowing that they're young and for some of them, this is the first time they've ever got this information. So Having patience, having seen it from a different perspective, I've grown as a coach. So even as I said at the beginning of this podcast, you're not an expert. You mm-hmm. you just continue to grow and grow. And I've had an opportunity to to learn in a different way. And now, shoot, I'm coaching corners. And who do I get to talk to every other day? I get a coach Glanville. You know, Coach Glanville comes in and he says, Hey, I had Deion Sanders, Tim McKire, and Brian Jordan. I was the best DB coach in the league. <laughs> he just gives me that wink. You know, like, well, I had the best players. Yeah. I got a Hall of Fame player, and I got a guy that also played, besides Dion, Brian Jordan played Major League Baseball mm-hmm. as well. And he's, <laughs> it was easy, right? You just go out and play ball. So, so I get to pick his brain. So I'm still learning. I'm learning from him. And uh, uh, like I said, with Coach Ward, and, and so I'm a better coach. I continue to become a better coach. And if an opportunity comes open uh, in or around the area that I might – Again, that right situation. I'm not going to be a head coach just to be a head coach. Yeah. I am 18 wins away from 
150 wins in my career. Yeah. 18 away. And I knew I was getting close. And I stepped down from that. And it's a milestone. It's not a big deal. But yeah. It's a, right? yeah. Say 150 wins in your career. If the right situation comes back, I'd like to go after those 18 wins. Yeah. And uh, but it's it's got to be the right situation. And and I get to retire from teaching in five years. Oh, I'm, nice. at point, I'm at that point. I got five years. Uh, and I told Dirk, if if nothing happens and I'm here for five years coaching with you, man, my name's going to be all over this thing because I'm going to coach as if if I'm the guy. I want you to succeed. I want this team to succeed. Mm-hmm. I want us to succeed. I want my players to. I this. I, my name's in Perrysburg on football right now, and and I want us as a program to have all those accolades and all those wins and, and be as successful as possible. And I'm going to coach my rear end off. And and I want Dirk to know that. And he knew that going in. Um, but if something were to open up, uh, then I'll, I'll take a look at it for sure. Cause um, whether it's being greedy or selfish or whatever, I, it's I, fun. It's, it's like fun to, to be in charge. Yeah. Us, it, I'd like to get those 18 wins. As a matter of yeah. fact, talking about being in charge. <laughs> so when I left Sydney, and before I came to Clyde, I was in that transition and a coach, the head coach from uh, Bluffton College called me up and asked me if I had any under the radar uh, prospects that hadn't committed anywhere. And I told him that I had resigned and he wasn't aware of that. He said, hey, would you be interested in, in being my DB coach here at Bluffton? Mm-hmm. Which is an honor, thankful, uh, go, coaching level at the, at the college level. Yeah. Um, and I told him, I said, coach, um, and, and whether this is politically correct or not yet today, I said, I, I still want to be a chief and not an Indian. Yeah. At, at that point, I, yep. I, I still want to be a head coach. And then of course I was able to go on to Clyde and, and have success there. But um, I, I just felt that I had that to give, but now I'm at that stage of my career that as an assistant, and I told Dirk, I will help you out wherever you want. Yeah. Use my resources, my knowledge, my experience, but um you know, we have a good staff. We obviously have a very good staff, a lot of experience on staff, a lot of people that are, I, I really love how we get it. And then we can get in a situation. We talked about this before, where you've got all these guys who have families experiences and you're bringing them all together. And I think our personalities really mesh. Well, mm-hmm. I, we have a good continuity in that coaching staff room. Uh, I think we're all in it for the right reasons and, and we work well together. So I told Dirk, if nothing happens and I'm there for five years, uh, I love it. Mm-hmm. I, I love being able to coach these kids and and being in that competition. Uh, obviously, being a BCSN, I'm well aware of the student section as the student section of the year. It's so fun. And, yeah. And how loud they are. I mean, we're behind closed glass and stuff, and we can hear these people going just absolute bonkers. <laughs> and that environment there is just really awesome, what Friday nights in Ohio are all mm-hmm. about. And so I'm just now grateful that I get to be um, down the sidelines with that and being involved. Uh, my wife, as I said, is really excited about seeing that because um, she was a cheerleader at her school, but Ohio football is different than Michigan football. It really yeah. is. Yeah. The environment. And you got to be at the right school and that sort of thing. But when you get to see it and and how much the community like Perrysburg in, involves themselves, mm-hmm. identifies themselves with Sorry, you cut out for a minute. <laughs> oh, I just said it's a special thing to be a part of. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, I'm I'm glad you're there. Like I I didn't I didn't know anything about you or anything, and obviously now I know a lot. But it, it is fun to talk talk to you. Uh, and like you said, having a good group of coaches. I mean, if our coaches' room can be filled with 
um, smiles and laughter, you know, when in between practices, you know, that's it, to me, that's, that's a good room, you know, and it's, it, sometimes it takes time because there is a bunch of different personalities and people are trying to figure everyone out and doing all this stuff. And, you know, when coach kind of first came in, it was like that because there was three, three of us that were there from coach Kriegel's staff. And then he brought in some new guys. So it's just, you know, trying to figure out everybody out, but it's right. fun. Uh, I, I love doing it. And just like you, it's, you know, it's fun being in charge. And there was a point in my time in my life where I was like, yeah, I want to be a head coach. I still do, but it's kind of taking a backseat because my, because, because my kids are in Perrysburg and I can't, I can't imagine being at a different school because I want to be a head coach and not being able to watch my son play football. Right. So, so there's some things that shifted, but you know, once, once they're done, who knows, like I love being at Perrysburg. That's where I graduated from. And, you know, I like being a part of it, like being part of the community. And when my mm -hmm. friends come back, I like, you know, if, if they're able to do to come check out a game and, and do all this stuff. So, so it's, it's fun being in Perrysburg and, and, uh, I promise this Friday, my, uh, wife will be in the, <laughs> in the section behind you. Yeah. So I looked, I looked over there and your wife sitting by herself. I'm like, oh, by herself. <laughs> yeah, I, well, we had talked obviously there was a threat of rain and there was a lot of things that were happening and i talked earlier in the week to some of you to see how many wives were going to be there so i my wife could be introduced and, and get to know you guys and your wives and uh then circumstances were uh coach ward's wife there was a problem with the with the car and then there was the threat of rain and there was other things and you have kids stuff going on and so afterwards we went over to sidelines together as a staff and, and she did get to meet some some more of the wives and oh good and I know that she's really excited about being involved in that and, and seeing what that environment's all yeah. like. And, but, uh, you know, speaking about you and I had a little banter going back this week as well, just kidding each other. And when you can do those type of things and you know that the other guys just it, it's just about kidding and the camaraderie. And yeah, uh, we have a lot of things in common with we'll, we'll say some um, quote from a movie or a television. Yeah. <laughs> everybody knows what it's from and we can all laugh. That is, uh, and Dirk told me that beforehand. He says, you're going to love this staff. He says that some of these guys on my staff are, are my absolute best friends, you know, and, and, and they get along, we all get along real well. And so that makes it easier transition as well. And, um, again, I I'm thankful that you allowed me this opportunity to, to yeah. be on this. You gave me the opportunity to uh, say, Hey, on those long drives back and forth, listen to my podcast. And <laughs> I've done that. So uh glad i could share a little bit of my information with some of your listeners and they get to know uh a little bit about me because they might not only know me from mommy yeah and, and they don't know my background and and i think it's important for those people to know that why i do what i do mm -hmm. is um for their sons if they're playing or or this the community itself because i know how important the game of football is because this is what i've said i'll, I'll give you this last one you're, you're coaches sometimes we overplay things and it's high school football mm -hmm. we're not making our living off this we're not not making our you know where we pay our bills off of our salaries and it's not the nfl level and all that sort of thing but football is important because it's the avenue that brought us all together okay let's not say that football is the most important thing it's not but it is that important because we would not be talking without Correct. it I would not be coaching your kids without it. We would not be together as a team without it. So football brought us all together. So what are we going to do? The fact that we are together right now, and it's not just all about football. And again, it's about those relationships. And I'll, this is the, at this point, this is the only reason I do this. I mm -hmm. miss, I absolutely missed the competition and getting 
kids to rise up and to push them and to um, just let them know that I respect and appreciate them. And hopefully they have that for me and we can go back and forth just to make them better and then better men as they leave the program. And they'll remember something that Coach Gibson told them that's uh, going to maybe make their life a little better. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Mark, thanks for, for coming on the podcast. It was great to, like I said, we, we knew a little bit about, but uh, I like th- these episodes where I learn uh, all about um, yeah. all about the my guest and my friend, you know, uh, just learning new things and maybe new things to make fun of you about and that kind of stuff. So. Absolutely. I look forward <laughs> to that. So. All right. Hey, thanks, thanks, Mark. My friend, I appreciate you. Uh, and I'll see you all too soon tomorrow. Yep. Get, we'll see get you. ready for week one. Thanks again to my guest, Mark Gibson, for coming on the podcast had a great time talking to him about uh, obviously about football coaching but finding his uh, his route to where to Perrysburg now it was uh, interesting hearing all the stops he made and and uh, what happened when he was there and then obviously talking about kids I love talking about my kids and now he has grandchildren so talking about all that kind of stuff but uh, it was great learning more about uh, about the the new uh, defensive backs coach here at Perrysburg uh, and uh, hopefully for our sake he's there for a while uh, he's a great coach, great guy to listen to and, and, and talk to. So thanks, uh, thanks again for him uh, to him for coming on the podcast. Uh, please rate, review, subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast. Uh, help us out there. Just a little button on most of the pod pod apps, and check out the YouTube page. Just search the Nerdball Podcast. Just hit subscribe there. Um, even if uh, you don't uh, subscribe to anything on YouTube, you can subscribe to that, and nothing else really happens. I think you get a notification when a new video comes out, possibly. Uh, but even then, um, just, you don't even have to listen, I guess, if you don't want to just hit the subscribe button. So I have more subscribers. So we have more subscribers here at the Nerdball podcast. Um, thanks for always listening. Uh, it's, it's great to run into people saying, Oh, I listened to this episode or listen to that episode. Oh, I really like this. You know, it's, it's good. It's good. It's good feedback. I'm, I'm glad people are out there listening to it. So I'm going to continue to do this for all you listeners out there and for my mental health. Cause it is fun. Just. I just have a great time talking to people and interviewing people and finding things out. So, um, yeah, that's it. I appreciate you all. Uh, as always, thanks to Cuttlefish Graphics, Real JP Multimedia, Big Daddy Graphics, and the Perrysburg Junior High STEM Lab for always helping out the podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. <laughs>